What's up everyone? Good morning and welcome to our online Water's Edge worship experience once again. Thank you so very much for tuning in and hanging out with us. For those of you that continue to like and share these online digital messages with your circle of influence, thank you so very much for doing that. Continue to do that. We have people tuning in from all over the place. Also, our live and in-person services are back open, wide open with a full experience, cafe, nursery, kids' church. Man, we would love to have you back. Come on back and hang out with us at 930 and 1115. Let us see your face and worship with you. Also, for those of you that continue to worship with us through generations, generosity and you give online thank you so very much for doing that for those of you that are meeting our ten dollar challenge thank you so very much for doing that that allows us to help more people love more people feed more people and serve more people you know sometimes in life in order to find out how how do I deal with this how do I overcome this how do I find the right answers how do I find the right direction there's this major decision that I need to make there's this major challenge that I'm dealing with how do I deal with it? How do I make this decision? How do I overcome this? You don't just need an opinion and you don't just need some advice or some guidance. You need the right opinions. You need the right advice and you need the right wisdom. The question is, what is the right wisdom and where do I go to get it? And so today we continue with our current series entitled, This Is How. If you've ever wanted to know how to deal with a very difficult challenge in your life or answer this very difficult question, question in your life or climb this very difficult mountain in this series, I want us to find out how. Last week, the first week, we talked about how the first step we need when we need to find out how is wisdom and how wisdom in the text, in the scripture, is getting the right advice from the right people at the right time who have already accomplished what you're currently trying to accomplish. So if you want to learn how, then get the right advice from the right people and that is wisdom. But make sure these people have been there and done that. And so today we move on with part two. And today I want us to look at this. Someone has hurt me and that's causing me to feel something and it's causing them to feel something. And I have hurt someone else and that's causing me to feel something and them to feel something. And so how do I deal with this and how do I get past it and how do they get past it? When you and I talk about our heart, sometimes we're talking about our literal heart that pumps blood through our body and through our veins. But most of the time when you and I talk about our heart, we're talking about something else. We're talking about the invisible part of us. We're talking about our soul, the core of who we are our inner self, our inner emotions, our inner thoughts. It makes you, you, and it makes me, me. Most of the time, when we talk about our heart, we're talking about that part of us that got broken in the 10th grade when our high school crush told us that they just want to be friends. Most of the time, when we talk about our heart, we're talking about that part of us that feels so much pride when our kid gets honor roll or when they, they make the all-stars. When we talk about our heart, they talk about that part of us that remembers all of this nostalgia and all these memories when our favorite song from 20 years ago comes on the TV or on the radio. And when we talk about our heart, we're talking about that part of me that wants to wring somebody's neck when they criticize somebody that I love. The heart that I'm talking about is that part of me that makes me me and it makes you you. It's that part of us that hurts, loves, feels, 
fears, has anxiety, dreams, and creates. And it's also that part of us that many times brings us into relationships, and it's that part of us that can bring us out of relationships. And so as we live this life, our heart, the core of who we are on the inside, gets influenced by so many things. And most of the time, we don't pay much attention to what influences our heart. We don't pay much attention to it. We go cold and and numb over time in our heart. We grow jealous and angry and sad and greedy over time and hurt over time and angry over time in our heart. And after a while, we say things like, well, this is just me. This is just who I am now, and this is just how I am now. But we weren't always that way. We weren't always so gold and cold and, and guarded and, and, on, and, and afraid and, and jealous and hard on the inside. And, and we were taught as little kids that good behavior gets rewarded and bad behavior gets punished. And so for most of our life, we were taught to only pay attention to that, to only pay attention to our behavior, because after all, good behavior gets rewarded, bad behavior gets punished. And so for most of our life, we try to control our behavior. We try to control what we allow people to see on the outside, or we try to hide some behaviors, but we don't pay much attention to what causes those behaviors. We don't pay much attention to the heart, our heart, which creates most of those behaviors and Jesus had a lot to say about only paying attention to the outside and not the inside. Jesus had a lot to say about only paying attention to what our guides our behaviors and what uh, what we try to do to control our behaviors instead of what creates our behaviors, and that's our heart. When I was in 10th grade, my family took this big family vacation with some friends of mine and my cousins and their family. And uh, one night when all the other adults were asleep, us kids were up to no good and we were out really late. And me and my cousin had this big ice chest filled with drinks and we were trying to bring it all the way up the hill back to our hotel room and so this was about two o'clock in the morning and it was too heavy to carry up there so we decided to borrow a golf cart from the hotel that we were staying in and we put the ice chest in the back of that golf cart and we jammed our room K in the golf cart it wasn't supposed to fit but we made it fit and we turned on the golf cart and it worked and and we took off towards our room all the way up that hill with the ice chest on the back and apparently hotels don't like it when you borrow their golf carts and so they called the cops and so man the cops come around the corner and when they do we are sitting in the golf cart trying to get it to go up the hill and the first words out of my mouth by the way that never looks good when the cops show up and you're sitting in a borrowed golf cart with a nice chest on the back and you're not old enough to be out that late and the first words out of my mouth was not don't panic The first words out of my mouth was not be calm or we're busted, but it's not as bad as you think. For some reason, the first words out of my mouth was run. And so, man, we we ran. We ran from the cops and that that never goes well either. And so the cops finally catch us and they put us in handcuffs and they put us in the back of the cop cars. And it was a very scary, scary ordeal. And so, man, I made sure I never wanted to do that again. Good behavior gets rewarded. Bad behavior gets punished. And it was punishment enough to... To know after getting put in the back of a cop car in handcuffs that I never want to experience this again. Now, my heart didn't change because I didn't feel bad about taking the golf cart. In fact, if I would have never gotten caught, I probably would have tried to do it again. So I didn't feel guilty about taking the golf cart. I felt bad for getting caught. My behavior changed because I didn't want to go through the consequences of getting caught again and what happens after you get caught. And so I changed my behavior, but not really how I felt about it on the inside. And you and I can do that 
all the time. We can change our behavior all the time. We can change our behavior without changing our heart, which causes our behavior. But sometimes changing our behavior is simply not good enough. There are certain enemies that we face on the inside that only a heart change can help us overcome. We can try to control and manage our outside behavior, but that's not dealing with the issue. That would be like taking pain medication for having chest pains. But the reason why you're having chest pains is because you have a blocked artery in your heart. So taking pain medications is just masking the symptoms. What you probably need is a heart procedure to get a stent put in. Well, we do the same thing with our other heart. Many times we only deal with the symptoms, but we don't really deal with the real issue. And the real issue is our heart. And then eventually, remember this today, if you're still with me, Sam's still with you. The root problem becomes the real problem. The root problem becomes the real problem. The real problem is not your angry behavior. The real problem is not your jealous behavior. The real problem is not your greedy, prideful, or irresponsible behavior. The real problem is that you have this enemy. You have this monster. You have this it lurking in your heart, waging war on your heart. The heart is the root problem, and over time, your heart becomes the real problem because it eventually hurts three things, your relationships, your character and your faith if you don't deal with the problems in your heart you're always going to constantly hurt those three things your relationships your character and your faith my real problem is my root problem and my root problem is my heart problem and so the first issue that influences our heart today and many times controls our heart and many times we don't even know it and we have a hard time seeing it and we don't realize it but the first enemy that I want us to deal with today and how to deal with it is this, and it's guilt. We feel guilt all the time, and many times we use guilt on other people. Other people make us feel guilt all the time, and we make other people feel guilt all the time. So many times you and I have been guilted into doing something we didn't want to do or feeling a certain way that we didn't deserve to feel. And so many times we have guilted other people in our life in doing things that they didn't want to do in feeling things that they didn't deserve to feel. Guilt is a monster that controls our heart, and that guilt will hurt our relationships, our character, and our faith. In Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 26, God says this to the nation of Israel, the nation of Israel that had the Ten Commandments from God, the Ten Commandments to help guard and guide their behavior, guard and guide their outside behavior. But that wasn't good enough, and God still felt the need to tell them this after giving them the Ten Commandments, very clear, to help guard and guide their behavior. Notice what he said in Ezekiel 36, 26. And I will give you a new heart and I will put a new spirit in you and I will take out your stony heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. At the end of the day, God wants to change our heart. He wants to give us a tender, responsive heart. God had to stress that the real problem was not behavior control. The real problem was making sure that your heart gets transformed. The real problem is the root problem and the root problem is always a heart issue. But guilt is one of those inner monsters that can damage our heart. And this is why. Guilt says this, and remember this today, and notice this. Guilt says, I owe you. I have hurt you. 
And because I have hurt you, I feel guilt on the inside and my guilt tells me that I owe you. Here's how it works. We do something that we think hurts someone else and every hurtful thing that we do is like stealing from someone else. And if I steal from you, I owe you. If I hurt you, I steal from you. And if I steal from you, I owe you. When we do something that hurts other people, we steal joy from them. We steal life from them. We steal love from them and peace from them and confidence and esteem from them. When we do something that hurts someone else, we steal parts of their heart from them. Now, when you realize that you've hurt someone else and you've stolen from them in their heart, mind and emotions, then you feel guilt and on the inside, that guilt tells you that you owe them. And so what do we say? I owe you an apology. I owe you an explanation. I owe you a debt. I hurt you, and so I owe you an explanation, an apology, a debt. Our heart tells us that we're wrong, that we've hurt someone, and our guilt tells us that we owe them. And because we feel guilt and we owe them, then what do we try to do? Notice the next thing. Remember this. We try to make it up to them. But there's really no way to do that, is there? There's really no way to make it up to someone after you've hurt them. If you want your guilt to go away, then you either have to pay your debt or your debt has to be canceled. Let me say that again. If you want your inner guilt to go away, you either have to pay your debt or your debt has to be canceled. Guilt has caused us to avoid people that we love. Guilt has caused us to develop very unhealthy relationships in our life and unhealthy emotions and unhealthy mental patterns. Guilt has developed to develop unhealthy destructive habits to cover up our feelings. Guilt causes us to pretend like we're okay when we're not okay. And again, it hurts our relationships, our character, and our faith. It is a monster lurking in our heart. So the question is, what what does Jesus tell us to do and to practice, to apply to our life, to destroy this monster of guilt? Well, in 1 John 1, 9, it says this. It says, if we confess our sins, that God is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we confess to God, if we honestly confess to God, then God is faithful to wipe it away and completely wash it away and completely forgive us, to break the power of guilt in your heart and guilt in your life, you have to do two things. You have to confess and apologize. Confess what you need to confess to God. Get it straight between you and God and apologize to whoever you need to apologize to. And that breaks the cycle of guilt in your life. And then accept that forgiveness and receive that forgiveness. And don't give in to fear because fear is the one monster that controls all the other monsters in your heart. We're afraid to confess and apologize because that's going to make us look weak. It's going to make us look like a failure. It's going to make us look imperfect and guilty. But you will always feel guilty until you make things right on the inside. I have to deal with my guilt when I hurt you. But what about when you hurt me? What do I feel then? What do I deal with then? And this is what it is. And notice the next enemy to attack our heart. It's anger. Guilt says, I owe you. I hurt you. And so I owe you. But what does anger say? Now, you must get this idea and remember this today. If you're still with me, Sam, still with you. We get angry when we don't get what we want. And sometimes that's not always bad because sometimes what you want is what you deserve. If you work overtime, then you earned overtime pay. 
But if they don't pay you for the overtime work that you did, you can get angry about that because you work for it and you deserve it. But whether it's good or bad, whether you deserve it or not, anger is the result of not getting what you want. And what you want can be something good. It could be something selfish. It could be something self-centered. It could be something that's not good for you. It could be something that's bad for you. Or it can be something that is good for you. But nevertheless, anger is the result is this. I didn't get what I want in many times when I wanted it. And so anger says this, and remember this today. Anger says, you owe me. Here's how it works. When you hurt someone, you feel like you owe them. That's guilt because you have taken from them. But when someone hurts you and you feel angry, you feel like they have taken from you. They have taken love from you. They have taken peace from you. They've taken hope from you, joy from you, happiness from you. They've taken time from you. They've taken parts of your soul from you confidence or esteem from you and you feel taken advantage of your family can make you feel this way your friends can make you feel this way your spouse can make you feel this way people you go to church with can make you feel this way now this is why anger is so dangerous when you let anger live in your heart sooner or later this is what happens to us and notice this today eventually anger will convince you that everybody owes you Eventually, if you don't deal with your anger and overcome it, you'll convince yourself that the entire world owes you. And this is when someone becomes an angry person. They don't just have moments of anger, but now they have developed into an angry person. And most of this comes down to a misunderstanding about forgiveness, about God's forgiveness and your forgiveness. In Matthew chapter 18, Jesus tells a parable to explain forgiveness. And the parable is about a servant that owes his king a large debt, a large amount of money, and he begs the king to forgive the debt. He begs the king to be patient and forgive the debt. And notice the response, Matthew 18, 26 and 27. But the man fell down before his master and begged him, please be patient with me and I will pay it all. I owe you. I'm guilty. That's what guilt says. I owe you. I'm guilty. Verse 27. Then his master was filled with anger. So he said, pay me. You owe me. No. That's not what it says. So his master was filled with pity for him and released him and forgave his debt. Forgiveness here, according to Jesus, was you don't have to pay your debt. You don't owe me anymore. So this is what forgiveness is not. Forgiveness is not being close to that person again. Forgiveness is not letting that person back into your life close enough to hurt you again. Forgiveness is not being a doormat. And forgiveness is you not, not standing up for yourself. That's not forgiveness. According to the text, this is what forgiveness is. And notice this today. Forgiveness is when someone has hurt you and you want to get them back. And you feel like they owe you, but you refuse to get them back. You refuse to get revenge, and you do not require them to pay them what you think they owe you. You think they owe you an explanation, but you've canceled that debt. You think they owe you an apology, but you've canceled that debt. You think they owe you some reputation back, some time back, some emotions back, some love back. You think they owe you that back, but you have canceled that debt. You're not going to make them pay. Forgiveness is when you feel so angry and so hurt and you feel like someone owes you, but you don't make them pay that debt. That's what forgiveness is, and you refuse to get them back. I hate spiders. 
Whenever I walk through a spider web, the first thing I do immediately is frantically try to remove and quickly try to remove everything from me that feels anything like a spider web. I hate the way it makes me feel. Well, in the same way in the book of Ephesians, Paul says to frantically and quickly remove, get rid of, separate yourself from anger. Anger. It makes you feel dark on the inside. And so separate yourself and do everything you can to remove it from your life. How? How do I remove it and separate myself from anger? By forgiving people just as Christ forgave you. And how did Jesus Christ forgive you? He canceled the debt and he didn't make you pay it back. And don't give in to fear. Fear will empower your anger. We're afraid to forgive because it makes us look weak. We're afraid to forgive because we think it's going to allow other people to get away with something. We're afraid to forgive because how it's going to make us look. Fear is the one enemy that controls all the other enemies in your heart. But love conquers fear and God loves you perfectly. 1 John 4 18 through 19. Such love has no fear. This is the love of God. Because perfect love, God's love, expels all fear. If we're afraid, it's for fear of punishment. And this shows that we've not fully experienced his perfect love. We love each other because he first loved us. So let's love each other today because God loves us. And let's love each other the way God loves us. And let's forgive and cancel those debts. Thank you so much for hanging out with us today. Thank you so very much for tuning in. We love you. We cannot wait to see you back next week and we hope you have a wonderful week.